Open up your Bibles to the book of Ezekiel. The book of Ezekiel, hallelujah, chapter 22 and verse number 30. I want to try to conclude our whole rooted series. We've been preaching on being rooted for a while. Amen. Has it been good, saints? Amen. For the last three weeks, we talked about being rooted in finances. Before that, we talked about being rooted in friends. Before that, we talked about being rooted in family. Before that, we talked about being rooted in faith. Before that, we talked about being rooted in love. Before that, we just talked about being rooted in Christ, period. <laughs> Hallelujah. We've been talking about getting rooted. Amen. Hallelujah. And I cannot close the series Without talking, you know how God saves the best for last, right? Without talking about something I believe is the most important activity that should be happening in the church. But the reality is it's probably the activity that happens the least. And uh, it's amazing to me because when God labeled his house in the scriptures, he didn't say that his house was a house of preaching. Nor did he say that his house was a house of praise or a house of worship. We usually call it a house of worship. But when Jesus gave the house a name, he said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. And there's no way we could talk about being rooted in all these things and not talk about being rooted in prayer. Amen, church? I got like one amen before everybody came into agreement. But listen, this is going to be good, amen. We, 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 there's a lot of books out there on prayer. There's a lot of uh, teachings on prayer that focus on uh, the challenge for you to do it. And oftentimes they tell you you have to do it and you should do it. And what ends up happening is that we do it religiously. And we do it uh, as a routine are you hearing what I'm saying? Rituous, uh, as a ritual. And the problem with that is that when you think about prayer from a kingdom perspective, it's really not religious at all. Nor is it something that you're supposed to do as a ritual. It's really a transaction that takes place between heaven and earth. Amen? Can we talk about it for a little while today? All right, let's read the word of the Lord on today. I read today in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, and the word of the Lord says this so. And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me, watch this, for the land. Someone is supposed to stand in the gap for the land. That I should not destroy it, but I found none. I didn't want to do it. I was looking for something that needed to be in place in order for me not to do it. But when I looked, that thing that was supposed to be in place was not there. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so watch this. I want to talk to you for a little while under the subject rooted in prayer. That's how I'm going to begin. Rooted in prayer. I don't know if I'll finish today. Uh, it might take two weeks. It might take three. Hallelujah. But I assure you, it's going to be good information. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, we come before you. We worship you and glorify your name. We ask you, Lord God, to have your way in this place, Lord God. 
Minister to your people today, Lord God. Let our spirits be ready to receive and our minds also. I pray in Jesus' name and thank you for all that you're going to do in this place today. In Jesus' name and the church said, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Now, today is going to be more of an intro because I got to build this. And I'm not going to be pulling on your heartstrings today and I'm not after your shout. I'm going to flat out teach. I'm going to try to teach today. Is that all right? Amen. My goal is, hallelujah, that everybody in this place would leave knowing something today that they didn't know yesterday. That's the goal. Amen. Hallelujah. So watch this. Let me just submit to you. There's some scriptures I'm going to show you on the screen and there's some that I'm just going to quote for the sake of time. Amen. So there's a verse in the Bible that I love. I believe it was the psalmist that said it. He said, watch this. The highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he gave unto man. The highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he gave unto man. Now I want you to listen to that for a second because then there's another verse in the Bible that says, watch this, that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and everything in it. So is there a contradiction there? Does it belong to man or does it belong to God? I will submit to you that there is no contradiction. It's very simple. Amen. God gave the earth, watch this, to man to manage, but he is the owner. In other words, he gives the earth to the man to steward over it, but God is the landlord. He is Lord over the land. We are but mere tenants responsible for what happens in the land, and we will be held accountable for it. Amen. When you think about the sin in the garden, amen, it was represented by a rebellion. Watch this. Uh, a heart that desired to move, watch this now, from manager to owner. It was a rebellious heart that wanted to move, watch this, from manager to owner. When Satan tempts the woman in the garden, he's basically telling her, listen, you should not be satisfied with just being a mere steward or a manager here in the garden. You could be the owner. He's basically telling her, God is holding back on you. If you know the story like I do, he's basically telling her, God is holding back on you. If you eat from that fruit, not only, hallelujah, will you be like him. The thing that gets me is she was already like him. Not only will you be like him, but your eyes will be opened and you will see what he sees and you will be able to perceive as he perceives. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so he's trying to get her, watch this, to move from manager to owner. And I will submit to you that anytime you do that, you're going to see trouble. Amen? Uh, and it's amazing to me because Satan actually tempted man to fall for the same sin that he fell for. Because when you, when you think about Satan when he was in heaven, his name was Lucifer. And the Bible says that he was responsible for worship. He was the steward of worship in heaven. But what, what happened? One day he wanted to move from steward to owner. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And all of a sudden he didn't want to direct worship to God. He wanted to become the object of worship. He even went as far as saying, I will sit where he sits. You know what he's saying? I want to move from steward to owner. I will sit where he sits. And God says, you're going to sit. And he sat him down all the way down to the earth. <laughs> Are you hearing what I'm saying in this place? Watch this. So because of that, watch this. And you know, you know, uh, we fell into sin, and now we're born into sin, and all of us come into the world with a, a sin nature, which is the desire to really be the boss of ourselves. 
Ain't nobody saying amen. Hallelujah. Uh, because we really don't like nobody telling us what to do. Amen, somebody. But here's the reality. I steward over everything. I own nothing. If you ever catch that, you will live a blessed life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Oh, God. I'm not here, watch this, to represent myself. I represent his interest. And I'm here to execute his will, not my own. So I steward everything. I own nothing. Are you blessed in here? How many of you in here know that when man sinned, hallelujah, that authority that man had was transferred over to Satan. And now Satan had authority on the earth. Amen. And it took a little while, but finally Jesus came. Thank you, Jesus. And Jesus reclaimed and regained everything that man had lost, including man's authority. Are you with me so far in this place? It's going to get good. I just got to build this for a little while. Amen. And so watch this. This is one of the things that I love about God. And I'm choosing my words very carefully because when describing God or things that God do, it's very hard for us to put into words. And sometimes, you know, at best, what we come up with is mediocre <laughs> when, when we really think about his greatness and his goodness. And almost sometimes when we say it, it almost don't even sound that good. Amen. But, but here's the reality. God decides to depend on us. Now, I'm saying that very carefully because you have to understand who God is. Amen. And it's not that God depends on us. It's that he decides. <laughs> he, he decides to depend on us. And, and let, me, let me tell you why I say it that way or why I'm careful with my words. Because God is a source. And if you understand that, you know that a source is something that exists by itself with no outside help. A source does not need anything outside of itself to continue to exist. God is totally and absolutely self-sufficient. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He don't need you to exist. In the beginning, God. Punto. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Uh, and then he created things. So he don't need no created things or anything that he created in order for him to exist because he was existing before he made anything. He is source. But the amazing thing about God is that he decides to include you and me. In other words, God made a very careful, I would even say, risky calculation when he held back from exercising his full authority by giving man a free will. Because you have to understand that in giving you a free will, he had to, watch this, hold back from exercising his full authority. Because he could have made you love him. But making you love him would require that he exercise his full authority. So what God does is that he holds back on exercising his full authority to give man the power to choose. Because real love is a choice. I say real love is a choice. You often hear me say, I know my wife loves me. Yeah, I do. I know. How do you know? Because she chose me. She picked me. Out of all them other jokers out there. <laughs> she chose me. 
In other words, she had a choice. I know her love for me is real because she chose me. You know, they have some religions out there that, where the marriages are fixed. But when you have to be with somebody and you don't have a choice, that person will never know for sure if that person loves them because they didn't have a choice. Are you with me in here? And so God takes, I think, a calculated risk in giving man the opportunity or the power to choose. Amen, somebody. Now, I will also say that while I believe that the earth ultimately is God's responsibility, God cannot be blamed for everything that's transpiring in the earth. While I believe that because he is the owner, he is ultimately responsible for the earth, he cannot be blamed for everything that's happening in the world. Remember, he's the owner, but he gave it to man to steward. Ooh, God have mercy in here. So remember, he is the landlord. He is the Lord over the land, and we are the tenants. Amen? It's just like if you're renting an apartment. You know that that apartment or a house has a land, a landlord. Hallelujah. You are responsible for what is happening in that apartment. You are the one who determines whether you are going to beautify it or you're going to destroy it. But at the end of the day, you are going to be accountable for how you took care of that place because it has a, a landlord. If you're with me in here, shout glory. glory. Hallelujah, Jesus. So I want to talk to you a little while. So, so listen, before I even say this, I'm going to mess somebody up today. And I don't, yeah, I mean to do it. I'm sorry. I was going to say, and I don't mean to do it, but I really do mean to do it. I'm going to mess somebody up today because we have this thing where we walk around all the time talking about, man, God is in control. God's in control. I ain't worried about it because God is in control. And if you're not careful when you say God is in control, it almost gives you permission to just lay back and do nothing because you believe God is in control. But I'm about to mess you up in here. God is in control in heaven. But the earth... He gave to man to steward. And so God is not necessarily controlling everything that goes on in the earth because he gave authority to man on the earth to steward over the matters in the earth. And if you look at what's happening in the world today, you know God's not in control. Because you check heaven and I guarantee you heaven is working like clockwork. I got it. Matter of fact, in heaven, it's already done. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But in the earth, it's a different story. So you have to understand that God has given us control in the earth. Oh, I hope you're going to be with me today. Because what it comes down to is understanding God's will. Can we get a little deep in here today? It is Bible study, isn't it? All right, put up, put up the scripture uh, for me, Matthew 26 and 39, Matthew 26 and 39, well-known portion of scripture. As a matter of fact, I think we touched it in prayer on Monday night. <clears throat> Listen to what it says. It's talking about Jesus. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou 
wilt. One translation says, not my will, but your will. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And I want to submit to you that I searched this out uh, in the scriptures and I found out that those two words, will and will, they're the same, but they're not the same. In other words, in the Greek, they have two different meanings. Are you hearing what I'm saying in here? One of them, watch this, is the Greek word bulema. Bulema. And the other one is the Greek word thelema. Thelema. And I, I, I need you to understand this because let me see if I can break it down for you. Listen to what Jesus says. Not my will, but your will be done. Now, when he gets to the second will, your will, God's will, that is the word bulema. Bulema means, watch this, God's predetermined will. Predetermined. In other words, it is God's deliberate design. It is talking about what God has purposed. Uh, God's predetermined, deliberate purpose cannot be altered by anything anybody or anybody, anybody or anything does. In other words, let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. The Bible says that heaven and earth shall pass away. Heaven and earth shall pass away. You can put that in the bank. There isn't anything anyone, anybody, or anything can do to keep that from happening. The heaven and the earth shall pass away. Now, whether God renews it or replaces it, many scholars are arguing about. But here's the reality. Its present state will not stay the same. And there isn't anything that anybody can do about it. Let me give you another one real quick. Jesus is coming back. And I don't care if you're atheist. I don't care if you're agnostic. I don't care if you are part of the occult and you are praying against it. He's still coming. And when he comes, every knee is going to bow. And it ain't going to matter what you say now. I don't care how mad you are at the reality of what I'm saying. Hallelujah. When he comes, which he is going to come, you are going to bow. I often tell people you might as well bow now because you're going to bow later. Either way, you're going to bow. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so there's nothing that I can do to keep that from happening. That is bulema. That is his predetermined, deliberate design. There are some things that are going to happen, and there's nothing nobody could do about it because he predetermined them, and he said they would happen. And simply because he said they're going to happen, they are going to happen. Are you with me in this place? But then you have this other will here, thelema. And thelema, watch this, uh, it's, it's subjective in that it is talking about his desirable will and is determined, watch this, by man's choice. Hmm. His desirable, well, let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. I will that none perish, but that all come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's my desire, but because I gave man a choice. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I will that none perish. So it is, will, it is God's will that no man perish. But it is determined by man's choice because man has a free will. So what am I getting at? What I'm saying is you have to understand that God didn't bulema. He didn't uh, predestine some to go to hell and some to go to heaven. That would be kind of messed up. I'm going to take this group right here and I'm going to send them to hell. And I'm going to take this group right here and I'm going to take them to heaven. Are you following what I'm saying in here? 
Now, because he's all-knowing and he's seen the end from the beginning, he can see everybody's choice. Oh, it's going to get deep. Watch this. But he left it unto man to choose. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so you have, you have his predetermined will, which is bulema, and then you have his desirable will, which is thelema. Are you hearing what I'm saying in here? If you're blessed in here, shout glory. glory. Amen, 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 amen. So watch this. I guess what I'm trying to say is that there are some things that are going to happen just because God said it, just because God predestined it, predetermined it, amen, deliberately, and there's nothing we could do about it. But then there's other things, hallelujah, that will not happen in the earth unless man's will lines up with God's will. Oh, God help me in here. Are you following what I'm saying in here? There are some things that God will not do until you do something. If you're blessed in here, shout glory. Watch this. I'm going to quote some scripture to you. And for the sake of time, I'm going to ask you just to write them down. Watch this. You guys can put them up on the screen if you want, but I'm just going to go. I'm just going to go. Watch this. The Bible says, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. That's 2 Chronicles 16 and 9. The eyes of the Lord are going to and fro and they are looking for somebody on the earth that he could use. Are you with me? Watch this. 1 Samuel 2 and 35. Then I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who shall do according to what is in my heart and in my mind. I'm looking for somebody, hallelujah, I can use who has my heart and who has my mind. Are you with me? Watch this. We just read a moment ago. So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall or a hedge and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it. But I found no one. I didn't really want to do it, but someone needed to be in the right place to keep it from happening. But when I looked for that somebody, they were not there. Are you hearing me? Watch this. Let me give you another one. Amos 3 and 7. This is powerful. God does nothing on the earth. God does nothing on the earth without first revealing it to his prophets. Are you hearing me so far? I'm trying to set this up before I get to the juicy stuff. Amen, somebody. Watch this. So understand that we are here to enforce God's will through intercessory prayer. The most powerful activity that you can do on the earth is pray. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So watch this. When we're talking about the lemma, what we just mentioned in here, hallelujah, you have to understand that we serve a God that does not violate that which he has already established. I said we serve a God who does not violate that which he has already established. Amen, somebody. I'm, listen, I'm going to talk about prayer in a minute. Just stay with me. I got to set it up because some of us don't understand the purpose for prayer. Amen. We've just been taught to do it. But I want to show you how important it is for us to do it and how it shouldn't even be optional. Amen, somebody. 
Hallelujah, Jesus. I just said God does not violate that which he has established. And something that he established in Genesis right from the beginning is something that you need to be made aware of if you're not already. And in Genesis, in the first couple chapters of Genesis, when God makes man, hallelujah, you remember, I know most of you know this, hallelujah. He said, he said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. This is God talking. And he's talking in the plural sense because he's the Elohim God. He is the triune God. He is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So he says, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. And you have to understand that up, up until this point in the Bible, everything has been let us. When it came to making the earth, God did it. Amen, somebody. When it came to the waters and the fish and the animals and the grass and the tree. God did it. Amen. But when it came down to creating man, he said, watch this. Let us create man in our image and in our likeness. And then he said, but let them. So we go from let us to let them. And this is what he says. And let them have dominion on the earth. Dominion. And just in case you don't know, dominion is power. Dominion is rule. He told them, be fruitful, multiply, subdue. The word subdue means take over. I'm giving you dominion. I'm giving you rule. I'm giving you power on the earth. In essence, God is saying, listen, in heaven we rule. But if you're going to be anything like me, you have to be able to rule. So God says, watch this, I'm going to rule up here, and I'm going to put you down there, and I'm going to give you rule down there. Are you hearing what I'm saying? In other words, I'm going to give you authority. Do you know your authority in God? Watch this. In another place in the Bible, and I'm trying to use scriptures that you know, watch this. In another place in the Bible, he said, uh, I give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. Notice that he does not say, whatever I bind in heaven shall be bound on earth. And whatever I loose in heaven shall be loose on the earth. That's not what he said. He said, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Oh, God, help me in here. In other words, heaven ain't doing anything without earth's cooperation. And again, I'm talking about thelema. Stay with me. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so watch this. There are things that will not happen until somebody in the earth uses their authority. He said, I gave you keys. Oh, man. Listen, Elder Richie has keys. I shared this on a Monday night. Elder Richie has keys to this place. I gave Elder Richie keys to this place. Amen? So you know what Elder Richie has? He has access. Yes, he does. You know what he has? He has authority. You know what he has? He has control. Do you know what he has? He has permission. Oh, God, help me. And God is saying, I have given you keys and whatever you loose and whatever you bind on earth shall be loose and bound in heaven. Oh, God, you better stay with me. When is he going to talk about prayer? I just started. <laughs> I, if you are listening to me, 
I just started. Hallelujah. God does not violate that which he establishes. Watch this. There's a verse in the Bible, Psalm 138 and verse 2. Psalm 138 and verse 2. Watch this. God says that he esteems his word even above his name. He esteems his word above his name. So when I release a word, the word I release becomes a law unto myself. Because I esteem my word even above my name. That's why a king's decree is bond. When a king says something, he cannot take it back. If you ever study days of kingdoms, even in your Bible, when a king makes a decree, he can't take it back even if he wants to. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Uh, let me give you a quick example. I didn't want to go here, but I see like I have to go here. So let me give you a quick example. Uh, how many of you remember King Herod? King Herod, King Herod, hallelujah. Uh, John the Baptist is in jail. You remember John the Baptist, the baptizer? He is in jail. Watch this. And King Herod uh, is, is, is throwing a little party among his nobles, and uh, they're having a good time. And all of a sudden, this woman comes and dances before the king. And this woman dances, and she practically seduces the king, dancing. And then the king, you know, he probably was, was uh, drinking. You know, that's what they did in those days. And so he got real excited, and he told the woman these words. Whatever you want, I will give it to you. Now, you have to understand that when the king says that, he cannot take that back. So the woman looked at him and said, I want John the Baptist's head on a plate. And the king did not want to kill John. As a matter of fact, the king, if you read your Bible carefully, he actually liked John and did not want to kill him. But once he said, whatever you want, that's what you're going to get. She got what she wanted. Daniel is another example. The king loved Daniel. Daniel was one of the three among chiefs in this particular uh, era. And the king, watch this, uh, his men saw that Daniel would always pray. And so they said, you know what? We can't find no fault against him, so let's use something he does against him. Ain't that something? And so let prayer get him in trouble. Let me just submit to you that sometimes prayer can get you in trouble. <laughs> I'm going to leave that alone. Um, so watch this. They knew he would pray. And so they set a decree. They asked, the, let's set a decree that nobody should pray to none of their gods except the king. You remember that story? For 30 days. Or they shall be put to death. And they did this seducing the king, saying, hey, let everybody just pray to you because you're so great and you're so awesome. So the king ate it up and he said, all right, I'll sign the decree. Knowing that Daniel was going to pray. Daniel prayed. They caught him. And they said, king, Daniel was praying to his God. You got to kill him because you signed the decree. And so guess what? He had to lower him into the lion's den. And we know the end of that story. But the reality is he could not go back. On what he said. Your God esteems his word even above his name. If you're with me, shout glory. So when God established that he was going to rule in heaven and that he was going to, watch this, give dominion to man on the earth, that word that God established even becomes a law unto himself. So even God will not do some things on the earth until... Earth uses its authority. Are you blessed in here? If you're with me in here, shout glory. glory. Now, that's very powerful when you think about it. 
Amen? Because look at who God gives dominion to. Now, you know, we're used to calling ourselves humans, right? That's the word. I did a little research on the word human and find out that that wasn't even technically an English word. Uh, it, it, the word human is actually a mystery. It's a mystery because it comes from two different words, one being humus and the other one being man. It's really supposed to be humus man. <laughs> that doesn't have a nice ring to it, but humus man, which is dirt man. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But it's deeper than that because man is that which comes from God. Let us make man in our image and in our likeness. And if you're anything like God, understand that God is a spirit. So when it's saying, watch this, humus, dirt, it's really talking about body and man talking about spirit. So a human is a spirit in a body. Are you with me in here? A spirit in a body. God gave dominion on the earth to spirits with bodies. And so spirits with bodies have authority and dominion on the earth. What is the inference then? Then spirits without bodies. Because of what God has already established. Do not have. Dominion on earth without a body. Oh, God, help me in here. I wish I had time. And not, now is when you got to go study your Bible because I just made a heavy, heavy statement. And so now, for all you scholars, you got to go check. You got to go look. Every time God got ready to do something in the earth, he always used a man. Watch this. Hallelujah. Think about it. Think about it. From the very beginning, God always used it. When it came to delivering the people of Israel out of Egypt, God had to lift up a Moses. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And you'll find over and over and over and over and over again in your Bible, and you'll hear it like this. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon Samson. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon Ezekiel. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon Elijah. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon Samuel. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Every time God got ready to do something on earth, hallelujah, he needed a man because he gave authority on the earth to man. And if man, hallelujah, has authority on the earth, then God has to get in a man in order to have authority. And it's not because, watch this, he lacks power. He just decided not to exercise his full authority, and give authority unto man. Oh, God, hey, if you ever really listen to what I'm talking about right now, hallelujah, then you'll really begin to understand why he had to become a man in order to deliver you. He's all-powerful. Why didn't he just deliver you from heaven? He could have just said something, and you would have been delivered, hallelujah. But he had already established something, and he will never violate that which he had already established, which is that man has dominion on the earth. And so if I'm going to deliver man, I'm going to have to become the God-man. Ah, oh, you don't hear what I'm saying. If you're blessed in here, shout glory. Oh, God, help me in here. This is why, watch this, I'm messing some of you up already, I could tell. Watch this. You remember when Jesus cast 2,000 demons out of one man? I didn't think one man can hold that many. 2,000, he said, we are legion. And you got to look up what legion means. It's at least 2,000. 
Watch this. Jesus said, get out. Two words and 2,000 demons didn't have a chance. Watch this. Get out. But, and, and we know that part of the story, but we don't really read the rest of the story. The rest of the story goes on to say, okay, but can we please get in the swine? Can we at least get in some kind of body? Because even the evil spirits know that without a body, they have no authority. So even the demons were begging to get into the swine. If you're with me in here, shout glory. glory. Ooh, God have mercy in here. Let me take you back to the beginning real quick again. God saw Eve. God saw Eve getting tempted. Don't get it twisted. God wasn't like away, you know, <laughs> uh, occupied and didn't see what was going on. God saw Eve getting tempted. But remember, God gave man dominion on the earth. Hallelujah. So watch this, because God esteems his word even above his name. He's watching them, but he's not moving. He's not moving. I gave you authority. Use your authority, Eve. I gave you my word. I told you what to do. I told you what not to do. Use your authority. But Satan comes in the garden. Notice that he takes on the body of the serpent. God help me in here. To, to tempt the woman. Amen. And God does not violate what he established. And Satan comes in, uses the serpent to seduce Eve. She takes the fruit. She eats it. She brings it to man. He eats it. The Bible says they sinned, death came in, and now death reigns among all men. And God doesn't necessarily step in. But he does make a promise. Oh, God, help me in here. He makes a promise right in the beginning. Genesis 3.15, he makes a promise. And he tells Satan, he tells Satan, watch this. That woman that you just used to help bring all mankind down, that same woman is going to provide for me a body. Oh, you don't hear what I'm saying. And when she provides that body, I'm going to come in. And I'm going to crush your head. And I'm going to do it legally. Oh, y'all don't hear what I'm saying in here. Are you following me in here? Is this too deep? I hope not. Glory to God. Are you getting this preacher? I'm going to come. You can count on it. Hallelujah. All right, let me see if I can help you uh, understand this some more. Amen. Hallelujah. This is why your Bible says, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray, then, then, only when you pray will I hear from heaven and come heal your land. In other words, I can't come if you don't invite me. Are you hearing what I'm saying, church? If I gave dominion to man, hallelujah, then I need man to call me so I can come. Okay. Hallelujah. Watch this. That's why. You ready for this? I'm going to mess you up some more. Can I do it? That's why Christ needs Jesus. See, some of you think that Christ is Jesus' last name. 
Can I help you in here? Christ is not Jesus' last name. Jesus Christ. That's his last name, right? No. <laughs> Jesus means Savior. Christ means anointing or the anointed one. Are you following what I'm saying? This is why I said this is why Christ, the anointing, needs Jesus, the body. Watch this. In heaven, his name wasn't Jesus. Y'all looking at me so funny. Like, like a deer in headlights. Wait. In heaven, listen, he told Mary, and you shall call his name Jesus. But in heaven, his name was the word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Woo, God, help me. In other words, the Christ got in Jesus and walked on the earth in authority. Are you with me in here, church? Oh, God, have mercy. Uh, let me give you some more. Let me give you some more. If you, if you ever read Isaiah chapter 7, just go read the whole chapter. Isaiah chapter 7. Isaiah chapter 7 says this. And behold, I show you a mystery. A virgin shall give birth and conceive, and she shall have a son, and his name shall be called Emmanuel. Emmanuel, which means God with us. Uh, but it's deeper than that, because in the original language, the word Im, Emmanuel, I am means in. Im means in. And then you got man, which is man, and then you have El, which means Elohim. I know, it's Wednesday, but I'm going. Watch this. Im means in. Then you have man, and then you have El, which is Elohim. So it's really saying Elohim in man. God in man. Are you with, not just God with us. God in man with us. All right, all right, you need some more. You need some more. I got some more for you. Watch this. I got, to, I got to put some substance under this. So watch this. Isaiah chapter 9, just two chapters over. All right? Two chapters over. It says this. Watch this. And this is powerful too. And unto us a child is born, but a son is given. That's deeper than you think. But unto us a child is born, Jesus, the body. But a son is given Christ. Oh God, have mercy in here. Hallelujah. Are you fine? If you know anything about Jesus, his origin does not begin with his birth. He just used the birth to come in to the world. But he's the ancient of days. He was with God from the beginning. In the beginning was the word. Are you following what I'm saying? So watch this. Unto us a child is born. That's the body. But a son is given. That's the Christ. Are you hearing what I'm saying in here? Hallelujah, Jesus. I'm either going to do one or two things. I'm going to mess you up some more. Or you're going to catch this. Somebody shout, I got it. Shout it by faith. It might hit you in the parking lot, but I'm believing it's going to hit you. Hallelujah. God, help me in here. I'm running out of time. Watch this. The Pharisees looked at Jesus and they said, man, from where do you get this authority? 
They, even the Pharisees who claimed to have authority were God's men. Noticed the authority that Jesus walked in and said, from where? They saw him healing like crazy. And they said, from where do you get this authority? Show me John 5 and 22. My God, I got to start landing this plane already. John 5 and 22. If you're doing it right, shout glory in here. I'll show you some scripture in here because I got to keep putting substance under what I'm saying. Uh, you know, some people uh, are real quick to, to call somebody with new revelation heretical. And usually, hallelujah, it's because they're saying they're saying something that's not in the Bible. And they're acting as though you can't get a fresh revelation from the word. And what they do is that because it's, they test it by determining if it's new. And they say if it's new and nobody else has talked about it, chances are it's heretical. Like God can't give somebody a fresh revelation. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Is it in the word? That's what it comes down to. Because there ain't no new revelation outside of the revelation that has already been given. But you can get a fresh revelation from that which has been given. Oh, God. Watch this. I'll mess you up some more. For the Father judges no man. That should have messed some of you up. For the Father judges no man, but have committed all judgment unto the Son. Has committed all judgment unto the Son. Give me the next verse. That all men shall honor the Son, even as... They honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son, honoreth not the Father which has sent him. Give me the next verse. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me had everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death into life. Next verse. I'm looking for a particular place. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and they that hear shall live. Next verse. For as the Father had life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself. Next verse. And hath given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of Man. Notice that he did not say because he is the Son of God. He said because he is the Son of Man. And when Jesus is mentioned as being the Son of Man, it's talking about the man part of him. And when it's talking about him being mentioned as the Son of God, it's talking about the God part of him. Are you following what I'm saying? But what this text is really saying is that Jesus is saying, I can do these things on earth because they're already done in heaven. Jesus said, I only do that which my Father has done. So what he's saying is that in heaven it's already done. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. All these things you see me do, I'm only doing that which my, I saw my father do. He's done them in heaven. But in order to manifest them on the earth, I had to take on a body, come to the earth, and make them happen. Oh, God, help me in here. Not as the son of God, but as the son of man. Are you blessed in here? And then in a later place, he said, and greater works shall you do. And great, how in the world are we going to do greater works than Jesus? When the Bible says that the books, there aren't enough books to contain the miracles that Jesus did. The Bible says Jesus did so many miracles that there aren't enough books 
to contain them. All we have is some of his miracles, but not all of his miracles because the books couldn't contain all the miracles. Yet Jesus said, you will do greater works. Ooh, God. Why? Because I go to be with the Father because I'm leaving the earth and I won't be legal, but I'm going to put my spirit in many bodies. God, help me in here. I'm going to put my spirit in many bodies. Hallelujah. And the devil who only had one son to deal with, now is going to have to deal with many sons. Many bodies all over the world. Watch this. When Jesus walked on earth, he limited, he limited himself to traveling. He had to travel here. He had to travel there. He could do something here, but he couldn't be in two places at the same time. But he says, when I put my spirit in many bodies, many bodies will be all over the world doing my will simultaneously. That's why greater works. That's why greater works shall ye do. Some of you are either engaged or in shock. <laughs> Hallelujah. Notice this. Notice this. One day the disciples came to Jesus and they told him, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. And I'm, I'm blown away that they didn't say, teach me how to multiply bread. Teach me, teach me, how, to, teach me how to heal this. Teach me how to walk on water, Jesus. Teach me. I want to learn that trick. Teach me how to walk on water. Teach me how to multiply bread. Because they don't got to work no more. Let me stop. Teach me. He said, teach us to pray. Why would they ask Jesus to teach them to pray? Because they were watching Jesus. They were watching Jesus. And they would notice that Jesus would go away, separate himself from them, usually, watch this, somewhere around the third or the fourth watch. And if you don't know what that means, that means like before the sun comes up, four o'clock in the morning, five o'clock in the morning. Y'all looking at me funny. But that's the time Jesus would get away and he would pray. Prayer was the first activity of Jesus' day. Jesus would, watch this now, spend hours with the Father and then only have to deal with man for seconds. Watch, 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 watch. I'm going to mess you up. Uh, he would spend hours with the Father and then only have to deal with man for seconds. In other words, watch this. After spending hours with the Father, he would come, hallelujah, and just deliver somebody from their disease in seconds. Spend hours with the Father and then come, watch this, and tell 2,000 demons to leave with two words. And in seconds, they had to leave. We have to spend a lot of time dealing with man because we don't spend a lot of time. Oh, oh, are you hearing what I'm saying? We expect, we, <laughs> you see somebody going to, through the theatrics of rebuking, take them two, three hours, two days, two weeks to rebuke one devil out of one person. Hallelujah. Because they expect to spend minutes with Jesus, hallelujah, and cast the devil out in seconds. It don't work that way. If you spend minutes with Jesus, you're going to have to deal with man for hours and days and months. But if you spend enough time with God, you'll spend less time dealing with man. Oh God, are you hearing me in this place? Hallelujah. 
<sighs> Are you blessed in here? Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, I am out of time. Glory to God. And I got a lot more for you, too. Hallelujah. Let me just say one more thing. Notice, notice, when, notice when Jesus goes to the cross. Amen. He died. His body was put in the tomb. And the Bible says that he went into the lower parts. I know what I'm talking about. He went into the lower parts of the earth to set captivity free. And he went down there to snatch from death, hell, and the grave. Ooh, God, help me in here. He did that, watch this, out of the body. In other words, Christ went down. Jesus is in the tomb. You understand what I'm saying? Watch this. And so watch this. He's down there. And he takes the keys from Satan. And when he finishes, he has to go back to the earth. Now, to go back to the earth and have authority, what has he got to do? He's got to get back in his body. I'm trying to give you a different perspective, amen? He has to get back in his body. So he gets back in his body. He gets up. Watch this. And I will submit to you. And I believe this. I don't care if you don't believe it. I believe this right here. I believe that he walked through the stone and came out of the tomb. You know, because we always talk about, and the stone was rolled away so that Jesus could get out. The stone was not rolled away so Jesus could get out. The stone was rolled away so the women could get in and see that Jesus got out. Oh, you don't hear what I'm saying. You don't hear, because listen, he got out, and if the stone stays there, they think that he's still in. So he has to see them come and have the stone rolled away so they can get in and see that he's not there. How could you make such a claim? I haven't read that in the Bible. I'll tell you why I can make such a claim. Because when the disciples were in hiding in the room, Jesus came into the room, and the Bible says he did not use the door. I said the Bible says he didn't use the door. The Bible says he came through the wall of the building. If he can walk through walls, he can walk through stone. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Don't tell me the stone was rolled away so he could get out. The stone was rolled away so we could get in and see that he got out. Are you hearing what I'm saying, church? And so watch this. He comes through. Now, this is what I want you to catch. He comes through the, he comes through the wall of the building, and they went, ah, it's a ghost. And Jesus had to fix it very quickly. He said, no, 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 not a ghost. I'm still legal. And just to show you that I am, the Bible says he grabbed a fish sandwich and ate it in front of them. Oh, you don't hear what I'm saying. He said, I still, listen, listen, a spirit doesn't have flesh and bone. I still have flesh and bone. I ain't crazy. I'm still not done. I need to be legal. God, have mercy in here. So he ate the sandwich to let them know, it's me and it's this body, just on a whole other level. Because I have the keys now. Oh God, help me in here. I, I snatched the keys from death, hell, and the grave. So it's still me, just in a glorified state. 
Oh, God, are you in this place? Hallelujah. And I got to I got to quit because I got to I got to let me see if I can whet your appetite for next week. So basically what he does after that is simply this. He's going to leave. He's going to leave. Now, this is what you got to catch. He's going to leave. Jesus is going to leave. He calls a cloud from heaven. Before that happens, when he was with those disciples, after entering the room, he did something. He did something. He blew. He blew unto them. Oh, God, help me in here. He blew unto them the Holy Ghost. Watch, 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 watch. He's saying, you know what he's saying? Jesus is leaving, but Christ is staying. Yeah, not. Jesus is leaving. Christ is staying. Where's he staying? In you. That's why you are called the body of Christ, not the body of Jesus. Oh, you better check it. You better check it. You are the body of Christ, not the body of Jesus. Oh, I gave you a whole lot to chew on. Give God praise in here. Come on, somebody give God praise in here. Hallelujah. Come on, if you receive the word, give God a real praise in this place. Hallelujah.